We're gonna take a while to figure this out. I said, rock on. It was good living with Bush. Took out Noriega. (laughs) And Saddam Hussein. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 41. Wow. 41 of the Presequential Podcast, where we go from 1 to 45 and under 90 and discuss the life, legacy, and little-known facts about every American president. I'm your host, Ryan, joined by Blaine and Russ, our producer and vice presidential extraordinaire. Thank you for joining us today, and thank you to all of our patrons across the country to make this episode possible. Blaine, let's jump in. Let's tell everybody about the book we read for H.W. Bush, what we're calling episode 41, and what we're drinking tonight in his honor. Um, I'm pretty excited about this episode. I took some fantastic notes. This book was called Destiny and Power, The American Odyssey of George Herbert Walker Bush. Rolls off the tongue. By James Meacham. John Meacham. John Meacham. He also wrote the uh, Jefferson book. wrote James. (laughs) James John. John. It's fine. No H. Uh, Written in 2015, and it is 601 pages. Running page tally is? 19,717. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. We're easily going to get there. This episode is called The Dad. <laughs> I really enjoy that. That's so great. We had the father. Yeah. yeah. This is the dad. The dad. And what are we drinking tonight? Bush. Head for the mountains of Bush. <laughs> yeah. 41. <laughs> cheers, boys. Cheers. And cheers to wherever you are. Shout out to our mystery alcohol sponsor who's out there listening. I we told somebody you. today, we were, he asked what we were drinking, and I was like, Bush, and he just started laughing. It's pretty great. <clears throat> Uh, what do you guys remember about H-Dub from uh, social studies growing up? Uh, I mean, we actually grew up while he was president. This aggression will not stand. Yeah. Okay. This aggression against Saddam uh, Hussein and Saddam. the Iraqis. Yeah. Dana Carvey. Yeah. Oh, Dana Carvey, yeah. Yeah. Not Gandhi. Right? Not Gandhi. No, read my lips. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I had the CIA as well. What do you guys think of Barbara Bush, like as a first lady, as a kid? When very you, regal. Yeah. Very uh, matronly. She grandmotherly. Just, you know, well, she, she looked like the queen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. she does. Yeah. She has that air about she her. She did. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, let's. It's uh, the hair. Yeah, I think it's so. Hair. She had the same haircut as Grandma S- Fox. Skin tone. Oh yeah, did she? Yeah. The perm. Yeah, yeah. Old ladies like don't get their hair wet. They like get it done like once a week. Mm-hmm. And, and they uh, wear like a, a shower cap. Sit with that thing. Yeah. Um, like the dryer. You know, Lord Helmet thing. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. yeah. Edward yeah. hands. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Yep. Mm-hmm. Took me a while to catch that reference, but yes. Uh, did you say Saddam? Because that's how he said it uh, instead yeah. of Saddam. Saddam Hussein. Saddam Hussein. Iraqis. Yeah. Saddam. <laughs> Saddam and Gomorrah. Uh, well, let's just dive in. Here we go. George Herbert Walker Bush was born in Milton, Mass. on June 12, 1924 to Prescott Bush, who was a wealthy investment banker and a future Republican senator from Connecticut. Funded the Nazis. Okay, we're going to get into that. Oh, <laughs> Prescott did. <laughs> and yeah. Dorothy Walker Bush, who was a total badass of a woman. Yes. I mean... I have a fun story. H.W.'s mom was amazing. Go for it, Blaine. A couple things. So when Prescott was in the Great War, World War I... Uh, or the original war. What did they call it? The Great the War. The Great War. Yeah. <laughs> he sent like a tongue-in-cheek letter back home that he saved three generals' lives during the war, and his parents sent it to the Columbus Dispatch, <laughs> and they printed it, and he had to apologize. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. He came home. He's like, actually, yeah, that didn't happen. Um, Dorothy Walker Bush, or Prescott Bush, Dorothy Walker Bush. Yes. Bush. 
H.W.'s yes. mom, Dorothy Walker Bush. The day that she gave birth to his older brother, Prescott Jr., she was obviously nine months pregnant playing in a softball game. She hits a home run <laughs> in the softball game. Yeah. Basically, like, crosses home plate and yep. goes to the hospital and delivers And delivers birth. Baby. <laughs> wow. Yeah, gives birth right after hitting the homer. Do you remember what street George Bush was born on? I don't. This is going to be... A theophany, kind okay. of. Okay. He was born on Adams Street. Oh, okay. In, in what, Andover, Massachusetts? Yeah. So he holds the distinction. Of being the other father of a son president. Oh. And oh. he was born on Adams Street. God. Yeah. yeah. That's Jump. wild. Number two and number six, right? JQA was yeah. six. Do you think her being pregnant would have helped, like with the power of the hit? Because as she's turning, she was hitting for two, a lot of torque. She, yeah, there's a lot of torque. There's more of, mass. She was hitting for two. Yeah, <laughs> I, you're right though. The physics of that yeah. would make more power behind it. Yeah, yeah. She um hmm. she she didn't she learned how to swim. She was one of those people that learned how to swim by her dad just threw her in the yeah. lake and was like, figure it out, figure it out. Yeah, yeah. She was pregnant at the time. She, <laughs> she didn't suffer fools. She was hard on discipline. She was. She took the kids outdoors all the time. Rough and tumble. Suffer fools. Is that a? She that didn't take like crap. a Holland Holland Oats. Oats song. Yeah. So if it's not, we should write. One. I didn't make. I wasn't made to suffer fools. Mm. Do 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 mm-hmm. do do. Yeah. It's like the one song Oats wrote. <laughs> <laughs> a tribute to Barbara Bush. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the parenthetical title. (laughs) Uh, He had three brothers and one sister, and he was nicknamed Poppy. According to Skull and Bones lore at Yale, uh, his dad Prescott was among a group of bonesmen who dug up and removed the skull of Geronimo from his grave at Fort Sill, Oklahoma in 1918, although that's pretty disputed by people outside of the Skull and Bones. What? what? (laughs) Hold on. Were they... Were they grave robbers because they were called the Skull and Bones, or was it vice versa? What's the time period that it like becomes like is no longer grave robber and is archaeology? It around the Bones War that we uh, the Bone Wars the bonus episode. So this was pre Bones War. No, I'm saying like how long does somebody have to be dead? Or it's not considered oh, grave I see robbing. What you're saying. It's considered archaeology. I thought you meant like when culturally did it like <laughs> no. go into like oh, it's not grave seven robbing. years. I don't know. Is that it? Seven yeah. years. So technically, right. he was archaeology. Yeah. Let's talk about the uh, the Nazi ties that you had brought up there, Blaine. So Prescott worked for the firm Brown Brothers Harriman, which acted as a U.S. base for the German industrialist Fritz Thyssen, who helped finance the Hitler machine in the 30s before falling out with. Adolf at the end of the decade. Prescott was the director of the New York-based Union Banking Corp that represented this guy, Thyssen, and his U.S. interests. And Prescott continued to serve on the board of the bank after America entered the war. So let's go and say he obviously wasn't the only company that was financing the that German... make it okay. I'm not saying... Hold on, let me finish my thought. <laughs> there were plenty of American corporations that were helping to finance the German recovery effort. But it was it gets a little shady that he stayed on after the war had started, mm-hmm. and uh, people are putting pieces together. You know, obviously through the lens of history, and it's uh, you know the Bushes obviously say no, but a lot of other people are digging through and saying I don't know. <laughs> Go ahead, there, Blaine. The Bush is telling me no. <laughs> the history, the history is telling me yes. Uh, 
Thanks for pulling R. Kelly into this episode while we're talking about shady individuals. He, uh, yeah, he's right up there with Henry Ford and Charles Lindbergh in my book. Yeah, mm. yeah. known Nazi sympathizer. R. Kelly or, or Prescott? Pre- Prescott. Okay. R. Kelly too. Yeah. 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 Screw that guy. I can't but listen. I believe I can. You don't know that. That's true. It's <laughs> a good point. It's a good point. So Bush left home as a teenager, and he attended Phillips Academy in Andover, which was an exclusive boarding school in Massachusetts. And while he was there, he was the captain of the baseball soccer teams, the senior class president, a little bit of foreshadowing there. He graduated from Andover on his 18th birthday in 1942, and on the same day, do you remember what he did, Blaine? He became a fighter pilot. Well, yeah. he joined the Navy. He en- yep, enlisted in the Navy in response Pearl to Pearl Harbor. Harbor was bombed while he was in school. Yeah. He would ex- he would overextend himself quite a bit to the point of illness uh, because of his competitiveness, but he was really well-liked, which is why he was class president. Yeah. Uh, he served in the Navy during World War II from 42 until September of 45. When he became a pilot in July of 1943, he was literally the youngest pilot in the entire Navy. Wow. Uh, he flew torpedo bombers in the Pacific. The Avenger torpedo bomber. Yeah, it's a cool looking plane. Uh, if you pull up a Avenger torpedo plane, it's really cool. Uh, What's a torpedo bomber? It's the planes that carry the bombs designed to take out torpedoes. Submarines. It's a sub sinker. <laughs> yeah. Not take out torpedoes. Okay. But they okay. release torpedoes to take out submarines. I'm yeah. sorry. Which, in effect, they would be taking out torpedoes as well because the torpedoes on the subs. I had always imagined out. torpedoes just come out of submarines. I never thought about the fact that they're dropped from the air and then become torpedoes. I think they can be both. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I never thought about that. Yeah, you can damn them. Uh, he flew 58 combat missions during the war. And on September 2nd, 1944, he was flying a mission to bomb an enemy radio site and his plane was shot down by Japanese fire. He was injured while bailing out over the ocean and he was rescued by an American submarine a short time later. And for that, he was awarded the Distinguished Flying Cross for Heroism Under Fire and the aircraft carrier that he was serving on, the USS San Jacinto, was awarded the Presidential Unit Citation. So uh, his ship was... Uh, well decorated as well. Injured, injured is underselling what happened. Go ahead. So he knew it was hit, continued to hit his targets, told his crew to eject. Once his crew ejected, he ejected. On his way out, he hit his head on the tail of the plane. When he landed in the water, he was stung by a Portuguese man of war, uh, and his crew, White and Delaney, were never found. Yeah. So... Yeah, he was injured. He was injured. He was injured bad. (laughs) Yeah, by the plane in a Portuguese man of war. Yeah. The world's loudest band. I haven't heard man of war. Oh, boy. I didn't know Portugal was fighting in World War II, but I guess it was. Yeah, man of war is... uh, (laughs) You should look up a picture of them at some point. (laughs) That was a slow burn for Russ. Man of war, are they metal? Yeah, like 80s metal. Oh, okay. All of their pictures of them looking like He-Man. Oh, okay. And they call themselves the world's loudest band. Huh. Wonder hmm. if that's backed up by like some Guinness certificate or something. I or just, doubt it. I mean, eighties. You just yeah, say whatever you, you say want. Whatever you want. Yeah. Uh, economics. On, on January sixth, nineteen forty-five. Trickle down. Trickle down loudness. <laughs> uh, he married Barbara Pierce. He was twenty-one. She was sixteen. I don't know how that worked out. They had met before the war in 41 during the Christmas holidays at a country club dance in Greenwich, Connecticut. And they would go on to have four sons and two daughters, one of whom named Robin, 
died of leukemia at the young age of three in 1959, and her death prompted the Bushes to later create a foundation benefiting leukemia research. It really affected him, as, as any loss of a, of a child would. Yeah, I, I know in the book that we read on his son, W., Robin comes back up in that book as well from the angle of uh, a sibling as opposed to a parent. Um, w. was born his first year at Yale. Mm-hmm. which he completed his four-year degree in two years, and then I think did a master's degree because he was there for three. He was on the soccer team his freshman year, baseball team all three years, yeah. captain of the baseball team his senior year. And he met Babe Ruth his senior year as well. I missed that. While he was at Yale. Yeah, hmm. he got to like, it was months before Babe Ruth died, uh, and I think he awarded him some honor from the Yale baseball team. And uh, there's kind of a cool picture of like young Geronimo's skull. hey my dad said that you might want this wait are you saying w met babe ruth you were talking about w i was talking about hw no i was talking about hw he was on the soccer team yes freshman year he was in baseball team all three years he was captain of the baseball team senior year year. and that year he met uh babe ruth yeah his father stole geronimo's skull purported prescott's the one that stole i'm sorry i'm sorry uh do you remember a little bit of trivia time do you remember our other president who was a bonesman from yale Oh, yeah. Mm, was it Taft? It was Taft. Yeah, because he was uh, yeah. the thing. I think his nickname was like Mammon or something, which meant he had the most sexual Fat. conquests. Oh, well, well, it wasn't Mammon. It was something like that. It was, that. oh, man. Mammerymen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so while we're on the topic of Prescott. Making uh, memories. <laughs> so it's the motto of some surgical center. <laughs> Oh, it's the, yeah, surgical center, sure. Yeah, yeah. Enhancement center. Speaking of Prescott, uh, I did not know this, but he was involved in the American Birth Control League, founded by Margaret Sanger. You remember where her name comes up? Sewing machines? No. Russ, Margaret Sanger, ring a bell? Yes. Yeah. I don't know why. I think in 1921, she founded this. It was the forerunner of Planned Parenthood. Oh, yeah. Um, I have a forerunner. (laughs) It's a great looking car, too. And he served as the treasurer of the first nationwide campaign of Planned Parenthood in 47. He was also an early supporter of the United Negro College Fund, serving as chairman of the Connecticut (laughs) branch in 51. (laughs) That reminds me of Mr. Deeds at the end, because it gives... uh, I think the United Negro College Fund, like a million dollar check, and George Wallace is the guy that opens it and he immediately has a heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> George Wallace is a national treasure. Yeah, I love that. You man. protect him at all costs. Yeah. And I don't know if Prescott will come up again, but, uh, you know, figure we talk about him as uh, young HW is growing. HW joined the surge of World War II veterans who flooded colleges across the country. He attended Yale, like we said. Did you say that he was a cheerleader as well? I didn't. Yeah. So he was a cheerleader. As was Prescott, his dad, and W was a cheerleader I knew as w well. W was. Did he go on the GI Bill? Uh, sounds like he might have. I, I Fun know. fact: yeah. uh, the building that I work in is the building that GI Bill was written in and so sent cool. to FDR. That's so cool. Right yeah. here in Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the original American Legion headquarters. That's so cool. Yeah, yeah, if you want to come in, um, why are you shaking your head? Hmm? All that's true. You're shaking your head. No, I agree. It's You've true. been there. I have. You just couldn't believe about the cheerleader thing? I don't know why you're telling people where you are. Uh, <laughs> Magog. It's called a Magog. Magog. There yeah. you go. Magog. That sounds like a biblical dragon. I think Mammon might be as well. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, anyway, H.W. graduated with honors uh, from Yale. a biblical dragon? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are there dragons in the Bible? 
The uh, uh, Leviathan. Leviathan's a sea monster. Yeah. Sea dragon. <laughs> That's a good point. It's a good point. It's a good point. I uh, graduated with honors from Yale in 48 with a degree in economics. Rather than stay up in the Northeast, the Bushes moved to Odessa, Texas, where he worked as an equipment clerk for an oil company. Uh, they briefly moved to California, returned in 50 to Midland, Texas, where he began working in the oil industry as a salesperson for Dresser Industries, which was owned by an old family friend. He and a buddy formed an oil development company in Zapata. Midland. Yeah, called Zapata, Zapata Zapata Petroleum. And in 1954, he became president of a subsidiary, Zapata Offshore Company, which developed drilling equipment. And he soon relocated the company and his family to Houston, which Houston will play a big role in his... Deep in the heart of Texas. Texas. I guess it's not really the heart, but... No, it's kind of on the coast. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of in the midsection of... (laughs) on the flank of Texas. Yes. He began his political career when he became the Republican Party chairman in Harris County, Texas. And he, you know, kind of grew this grassroots uh, connection with people there and uh, strengthened his image as a conservative. He was relatively good with people, cultivated a lot of relationships in the Republican Party early on that helped him throughout his career, even when he was president. In 64, he ran for the Senate against incumbent Democrat Senator Ralph Yarbrough, who accused him of being a carpetbagger from the North, which I had forgotten about that term. Oh. Yeah, What's that mean? Uh, I don't know why it's a carpet bag, but you... It had to do with coming from the North to the South yes. and running for office. There was a carpet bagger, and then there was like a muckraker. Mm-hmm. Uh, those terms you learn in social studies. That oh, yeah, that's true. They're you. test terms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He also <laughs> faced an uphill battle being a Republican in Texas because of the strength of the local Democrat Party in because November. of LBJ. In, yeah, yeah. Uh, so it, that November, LBJ uh, was elected president overwhelmingly, and Bush was defeated in that Senate race by 300,000 votes. In 66, he ran for a seat in the House as a moderate Republican and won the election with more than 50% of the vote. He was reelected in 68. This was interesting. As a freshman congressman, he gained a seat on the Ways and Means Committee, which is... First one since 1904. Yeah. Huge. I mean, to come right in and get to ways and means. He supported the Vietnam War and voted for parts of LBJ's Great Society program, including the Civil Bill Rights of 68, to outlaw discrimination in housing, which was a pretty courageous vote for a congressman from Texas. That's going to come up later, I think, in 91, when he signed a revision to that Civil Rights Act. Mm. So keep that in mind. He was also a um, secretary to the United Nations, and when he was there, he would like go out of his way to befriend ambassadors. Mm-hmm. He took an ambassador from Madagascar to a hockey game, and he took oh. a ma- an ambassador from Nigeria to a basketball game. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Huh. I, I just like to imagine this dude from Madagascar watching hockey. Yeah. <laughs> like, He's like, what is this cold white surface that they're <laughs> yeah. skating on? <laughs> He's just like, happy hockey anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was under Nixon. Um <laughs> So his he name served, was Julian. What? His name was Julian. The Madagascar ambassador? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. There's that movie Madagascar. Oh, yeah. I got it. Julian's the best part. Seen it a long time ago. Happy Julian, you <laughs> Who voiced him? I don't remember. Can you Somebody look up who, who voiced Julian in Madagascar, Russ? Yeah. <laughs> so he served two terms in the House. He was eyeing to go to the Senate. But yeah, like you said, Nixon placed him as ambassador for the UN, but he was removed from the UN by Nixon in 73 uh, to run the RNC instead. They're like, this guy's respectable. He's got some integrity. We don't, but he does. 
And Who uh, is it? Sasha Baron Cohen. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Right. I knew that, actually. Uh, during Watergate, while that was all going on. Well, he was RNC chair, like, right before Watergate yeah. broke. Yeah. And he was and really... he su- hated Nixon because of it. He thought Nixon was amoral and publicly just said that he should resign. Yeah. He supported him up until those tapes came out. And then he was like, oh, this guy's... It was a real rice Ray, situation. Yeah. Um, Bush then informed the president that he had lost the support of the Republican Party. And then Nixon, of course, as we discussed in further detail in episode 37, the crook, uh, resigned in August of 74. So now Ford is president, number 38. And uh, he steps down as head of RNC once Ford becomes president. And he becomes the envoy to China. Immediately. Yeah. Like which he stayed in for two years, which was, you know, he's been in Washington for a while and it gave him and Barbara a chance, somewhat of a breather. Vacation to to the Orient. (laughs) Yeah. Get away. Mm. Who was the, who was the president during the Boxer Rebellion that we talked about? Who was over in China? Was that Hoover? Hoover. Yeah. Yeah. And his wife was like riding bikes. Yeah. Or riding her bike, delivering supplies. Messages while, and stuff, yeah. Yeah, while gunfire was going on. getting shot by yeah. Marines. Yeah. Ford asked Bush to serve as the new CIA director. And the CIA at the time was emerging from a really controversial period in its history and needed a strong, effective leader. Why was it controversial, Ryan? Well, Blaine, if you may recall, there were a lot of My proxy favorite wars person. that were started. Uh, Alan Dulles. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that you read. Did you finish reading that book? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Long time ago. Okay. Did you see what uh, Bolton recently said? No. Like in the news, like he was being interviewed, and he was like, "I speak from experience. Coups aren't started like haphazardly." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, right. And, and I think it was Jake Tapper. He was like, mm, "Why don't you tell me more about that?" And he's like, "Well, I can't." And he's yeah. like, "I feel like there's more to the story you're not telling us." <laughs> Sorry about you. Can't. Well, after Ford loses to Carter in '76. Bush offered to stay on uh, as director of the CIA, but Carter declined his offer. So the Bushes left D.C., returned to Houston, where he re-entered the corporate world and started planning and fundraising, setting his eyes on a 1980 presidential run. He actually won the Iowa caucus, but he, which surprised a lot of people, but he lost to Reagan in New Hampshire. So, so Carter, uh, re- oh, sorry, we're not there yet. Keep going. I'll talk about Carter. Oh, well, I mean, he's running for president, though. Carter's, oh, okay. you can do it. Yeah, so <laughs> when Carter was named, well, when, won the presidency, uh, didn't want him to run the CIA anymore. So Bush went back to Houston with Barbara, and a man by the name of Ross Perot offered him a job. There we oh. go. Yeah. And, oh. uh, yeah. Yeah, he strongly considered doing it, and his quote was, now this was before Ross became really strange. <laughs> and stole 19% of the popular vote from me. Yeah, he did. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like we said, he won in Iowa, lost to Reagan in New Hampshire, and then, of course, the Reagan machine continued to just uh, galvanize. He was, and, he was known as the thinking man's candidate. He really was. Huh. Yeah. And you remember... He was too, con- or he was too uh, middle of the road because yeah. Reagan went so conservative on Correct. everything. And you remember in Ford's episode, and I think we also talked about this in Reagan's episode, but... For a time, they were discussing like a co-presidency. Reagan's people reached out to Ford's people and were like, would you ever so want to come stupid. back? And what killed Bush's chances was when uh, Ford said co-presidency on TV and Reagan flipped it. Yeah. Flipped his stuff. And uh, Bush was then tapped to run as Reagan's VP because mm-hmm. they thought that he could appeal more to the moderate mm-hmm. wing of the party. So he accepts Reagan's offer, and he gets criticized by some people for changing his previous positions on abortion and the economy to become more consistent with yeah Reagan's conservative views. So they won in a landslide, 
And the GOP took control of the Senate for the first time since 54. Go ahead, Blaine. Nancy never trusted the Bushes. Correct. Shockingly. Yeah. And they never were in, the Bushes were never invited to the private uh, residence. Yeah. Residence. <clears throat> what? Yeah. yeah. Residence. What? I thought it was their residence. Sure. <laughs> but maybe the guess- yacht, too. I was guessing. Yacht? Oh. I was guessing. Who was the president that had the surgery on the yacht that no one knew about? Oh, like the pre- uh, was that FDR? No, it was like was Garfield that? or. Do you remember that though? Like, yeah, he, yeah it was. Uh, I don't remember. It was like a dental implant thing. I thought Cleveland. Maybe I don't know. We'll it was to... definitely in his mouth. Yeah, we'll have to go look that up. Was, they were Speaking doing of mouth Nancy stuff. Reagan. Yeah. <laughs> Despite their differences in upbringing and their earlier career paths, Reagan and Bush over time grew fond of each other, and uh, they had lunch every week. Which I think in Reagan's outgoing letter. He said, I'll, I'll miss our lunches. Bush traveled widely as VP, represented the administration in a lot of international affairs, making many contacts that would then become useful later when he was president. When Reagan got shot, mm-hmm. Bush refused to land Marine 2 on the South Lawn. Correct. Because the South Lawn is reserved for the president. Yep. And the way he handled himself during the ordeal really helped earn mm-hmm. Reagan's trust, which is what led to like the lunches and stuff. Yeah. He, he didn't invoke the 25th when Reagan was under when he was shot but when reagan went to get surgery later they yeah. did sign paperwork to Correct. make bush like in charge i think for like three hours and i think he i mean he kept a relatively <laughs> calm head during the assassination attempt when everybody was trying to <laughs> get him to return from vacation or something since we're on this train of who which president was this yeah. which president was it when the the dude that was like the they weren't sure if the vice president was alive either, and he was like, "Look, I'm I'm in charge now." And everybody was oh, like, yeah, "That was, that was uh, Alexander Haig. Haig. It was Reagan. <laughs> yeah. It was Reagan. It was Reagan. Yeah, yeah, and Bush was the one who. Yo, was... because Bush was in the air. Yeah, and Correct. everybody was like, "Shut up." Yeah, <laughs> he was Nixon's old chief of staff, wasn't he? Yep. Yeah, and Carter's. Yeah, and everybody was like, "Dude, just sit down, please." Yeah. yeah. What he was meaning to say was, here at the White House, I've got it under control. Yeah. But uh, how it, it <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> it's not as chaotic as it is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because you, you did a feature on Haig uh-huh. instead of Bush. 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 That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was so Reagan's long ago. Episode. It was two weeks ago. Yeah, gosh. Yeah, sure uh, was. <laughs> Bush was hit hard by speculation of his involvement in the Iran-Contra affair that broke in late of 86. But in 88, he gained the GOP nomination to run for president and chose Indianapolis native... Senator Dan Quayle to run as his VP. He was opposed by Democrat Michael Dukakis, the governor of Massachusetts. He always said that he was out of the loop on Iran-Contra, mm-hmm. but he definitely knew about the arms for hostages deal. He just claimed he was unaware of yeah. the rerouting of the funds to the Contras. Yeah. When he was running, everybody considered him a wimp, which is wild considering we what we know about him in World War II. Yeah. And he was the head of the CIA. So I always thought that was weird. Yeah. Um, Do you think that might have been like just short-term national memory or a younger generation looking at just an older guy? Maybe. I mean, he yeah. was small. Yeah. He was a small guy. Well, I, I think. And he never really was the best orator. Like his... Saddam. Saddam Hussein. <laughs> I think he got criticized for like how stiff he was and he kind of moved his arms weird when he talked. And... Yeah. Dana Carvey definitely did a oh, yeah. spot on. So job. when Russ talks about Dan Quayle, I'll, I'll talk about when he announced his his vice presidency or when he was okay. announced that he was the vice presidential candidate. Because I had a fun thing happen to me today. All right. 
Yeah, he won with 54% of the popular vote and 426 out of 537 electoral votes. What was it that killed Dukakis? Oh, it was a couple of things. So one, he had that thing where he was riding in like a, a tank. tank. <laughs> he looked like an idiot. Yeah. And then they really rallied against uh, uh, the his, what was it called? The furlough program, the prisoner furlough program. Because there was a prisoner that escaped on his like leave to Maryland and okay. raped and murdered women while he was on pass. And okay. so the Republicans jumped on that. Yeah. And they were like, see, Dukakis allows rape. Yeah. It, it, in the research in the book, it basically said it was a very super negative campaign that focused more on you know personal attacks than it did plans for the national future. And yeah. But anyway, he's inaugurated on January 20th, 1989. And you know what? Let's, uh, let's take a little bit of a breather. Yeah. We'll refill our uh, delicious Bushes. Bush beverages. You are listening to episode 41, The Dad. We will be right back. <laughs> Facing the transition out of the military is rarely easy. It doesn't help that the staggering number of options you're faced with can be overwhelming. But there's a light at the end of that tunnel for all veterans. And that light shines brightest here in Indiana. Lucrative careers in fast-growing industries are plentiful. Housing costs are amongst the lowest in the nation. And you can live in the country while being less than an hour from a world-class city. At InVets, we're showing veterans how to translate the valuable skills they've learned to the civilian world while connecting them with careers they can be proud of so they can lead fulfilling, purposeful lives. Go to InVets, that's I-N-V-E-T-S dot org. Create a profile to learn more about Indiana communities, browse the current open job openings in these communities, and receive your free shirt. That's InVets, I-N-V-E-T-S dot org. Welcome back to episode 41, The Dad of the Presequential Podcast. It's a fun name. I'm your host, Blaine Zimmerman, joined as always by Ryan Allwart and Russ Slivka. Uh, Russ, why don't you tell us some, a little bit more about the vice president, the book you read about the vice president, and what we're drinking tonight? <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering how much of the intro you were going to go with. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> that was really good. Dan Quayle. James Danforth Quayle the third. <laughs> Wait. Yeah. Dan is short for Danforth. Wow. Yeah. Huh. I would have gone by like JD. Yeah. I don't know what James is short for. Jim. Danforth? Danforth. That has to be like honoring a, a maternal like maiden name or something. I don't know. Who cares? Yeah. This guy sucks. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so he was born in Indianapolis, Indiana. Hey-o. In 1947. All right. Uh, what was going on in Bush's world while Dan Quayle was being born? World War II. His dad was campaigning for Planned Parenthood, and he was at Yale. Yeah. Oh, so, World War II was definitely over by 1947. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. While H-Dub is at Yale, meeting Babe Ruth, week. and being a bonesman, Dan Quayle's being born. Married to his 16-year-old wife. <laughs> she never aged. How did that happen? I don't like, know, man. Different times. They were I mean, betrothed. it seems fairly recent. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, James Danforth Quayle, the born third. in Indy. The third. Wow. Yeah. His grandfather was a newspaper magnate. Okay. Like a, a William Randolph Hearst type? Like a Eugene C. Pulliman type. Okay. He founded and owned a dozen newspapers, Arizona Republic, Indianapolis Star, among them. Huh. Yeah. Okay. So wait, Dan Quayle's dad or grandfather? Grandfather. Founded the Indianapolis Star newspaper. He did. Wow. Okay. That's an interesting connection. Yeah. He was a newspaper man. Okay. Which is kind of a through line with Quayle. He went to DePauw 
and with a W. DePaul, For those of you that don't know, well, there's another DePaul in Indiana. It's yes. in Green Castle. Castle. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of greens. It's yeah. in Green Castle, south it's, or west on I-70. Yes. Probably 30 minutes outside of Indianapolis. And then there's DePaul up in Chicago, which yes. you did not go Terrible to. Terrible basketball team. Not Oh, you know who else went to DePaul? No. Probably cooler than Dan Quayle, Brad Stevens. Oh, oh, there you former go. Former Butler basketball I coach. I do know who that is. Yeah. Yeah. Is he still with the Celtics? He is their president. Oh, so got out of coaching and kind of pulled a Larry Bird. Yeah. Okay. Ooh, it's a theophany. Yeah. Yeah. For yeah. our NBA forthcoming <gasps> podcast. <gasps> oh my God, man, don't oh no. tempt me. Oh, my sorry. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So yeah, so six Dan, Dan days Dan before he graduated DePauw, he joined the National Guard. Okay. Oh, cool. It was... It was Right I was hoping I had something in common with him. He did. He oh, w- he joined the guard to dodge the draft. Supposedly. Yeah. And oh. he was recruited into the public information. Oh, th- so he did the same thing W did. Public did information? Yeah. What's that? We'll talk about that in two so episodes. Like a public affairs now. guy, or is it a. No, he would. Because W was Air National Guard? Eh, kind of. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> well, he, Dan Quayle, uh, once a month would go to a National Guard base. Armory. Yeah, about an hour south of Indianapolis. I don't oh, know so which he went it was. to Atterbury. It could have been Atterbury. It was probably Atterbury. But he did that to publish a newsletter about different goings on in the National Guard. And huh. that was his. And then he would go back and to his normal stuff. It, it's not it's surprising. Sounds coming, exactly like the Guard now. Coming from a, a newspaper family to be in the publishing world. He did admit people did pull strings to get him. There, are there. A lot, there were a lot of people that joined the guard to get out of Vietnam. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, my dad enlisted for the Navy because he didn't, as he says, he's like, I didn't want to be a tree. He was like, I didn't want to be in the army. He just sent off. He was like, I wanted, and his dad was in the That's Navy. Offensive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he followed in his dad's footsteps. That's a, uh, Blaine is now doing a tree pose. It's a yoga pose. Kind of a charade. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, not surprising. So what did he call his newsletter? Do you have the name of it? No. Hmm. The Camp Atterbury Minutemen Gazette. The the Quail. The Minuteman. Ooh. It's probably the called quail. the Minuteman. The Quail. It was probably called the Minuteman. The Minuteman. Yeah. Hmm. That's what like all the publications about the guard are called now. So Okay. Uh he got elected to the house. In It'd be Indiana. funnier if he was just the guy on newsreels that just went and they were like, All right, you did your job. Thanks. Thanks, Dan. Go home now. Fourth. When he was in the House, he was volunteered to be part of a commission that went to Jonestown in Guyana. Pre or post-suicide? Hold on. You don't just go to... No, no, no. He well, was... it had to be post because it wasn't called Jonestown before then. He was asked it... or volunteered, and then he ducked Jonestown. out. No, it was named after Jim Jones. I know, but... Butler grad. Jim yeah. Jones. Stain on <laughs> Did the... you know that? I did Was not. it called Jones... Jonestown during the cult... Yes, rise yeah, or just Jonestown after the suicide. No, it, he mm. named it Jonestown. Yeah, it wasn't Jones. Like nobody no, made I know a it wasn't that. Oh, well, you said was it before? It sounded as like though, like it, they it sounded like studying. you said it was named Jonestown after the suicide. Oh no no no. Okay no. okay. He didn't end up going. He you know whatever dodged it. So what was he supposed to go do down there? They were going to uh, investigate, investigate unsafe conditions. Kool-Aid. Okay, <clears throat> luckily. He didn't go because the people that did go got murdered on their way back to the airport. <laughs> what? Yeah. That was a whole thing. 
What? Sorry. Yeah. By Jones's goons. Yeah. Oh, so it was before the suicide. Yes. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, that's crazy. Where was that? Guyana? Yeah. Uh, Guyana? Guyana. How, how did they recruit people? Was that the bow and peep thing? I don't know what don't the know. bow and peep thing is. Uh, no, that was Heaven's Gate. Heaven's Gate. Heaven's Gate with the peep. purple Nikes and like the black diamond they, cloth. They, they called themselves bow and peep when they would go recruit people and they would, oh. they would be like, Hail Bop, right? That was Hail yeah. Bop. Yeah, they it were waiting for a spaceship him. to pick mm-hmm. them up. Yeah. 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 But and that wasn't a huge, as far as mass suicides go, that was a relatively not as big smaller as Jonestown. one. Jonestown kind of, was like 900 people, wasn't it? Yeah. What kind of shoes did they wear? I thought it was purple Nikes. Nikes, yeah. Was Black it? Black okay. Nikes. And there was that old bald guy with bulging eyes who was the, the leader. Bo. That was his name. Yeah. And, his, and his partner, Peep. Peep. And people were like, yeah, this makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell me more about these uh, yeah. parties you guys do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he was in the House, and then he was elected into the Senate. Then he became vice president with H.W. Why was he picked? Hold on. Because at that point, he was a senator yeah. in D.C. Probably because he was young. No, he provided sex appeal and charisma to the campaign. <laughs> That's why. Wow. So yeah. does do you, in your notes in there, wow. does it say where he announced that he was picked as vice president? No. So today, for work, I went up to Huntington County, Indiana. Okay. We're doing this tour around meeting a lot of different economic developers in different counties and talking about how we can help you know them attract veterans into their counties. Yeah. And at lunch, we went to a place called Nick's Kitchen. And I was told it's like the most famous, you know, they're real famous for tenderloins there, which is, oh, yeah. if you're not from Indiana, like tenderloins are kind of our thing. Yeah. I was told to get a tenderloin, so I did. They're, they also have really fantastic pies. I mean, I'll tell mm. you, if you're ever in Huntington County, Indiana, which is just south of Fort Wayne, go yeah. to Nick's Kitchen. It's definitely worth it. Okay. Food's great. Pies are great. Cool. I got to meet Jean Ann, the owner. She came and sat oh. with us for a little while. Nice. Fantastic woman. Sounds like a lovely lady. Uh, highly endorse it. While we are sitting there, Brian, my outreach and partnerships manager, mentioned that uh, I have a podcast. I, I said, actually, we're recording tonight. And he goes, oh, who are you recording? And I said, George H.W. Bush. And he goes, you're actually sitting in the restaurant that Dan Quayle announced that he was going to be vice president in. That's wow. crazy. <laughs> yeah. That is insane. Of cool. all the days yeah. you, in all the restaurants, you could have yeah. had lunch. Yeah. Wow. Like, and I had no, I didn't even know. I, apparently Quayle's like really big up there. I don't know if maybe he huh. moved up there afterwards or what, but like, wow. It, I got the impression. I luckily didn't say anything negative because I knew you didn't like him. Um, cause I got the impression, I know that the gentleman we were working with today worked at the state house for a long time and I think he might've worked for Dan Quayle for okay. a little while. So okay. oh, well, good call then. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. He worked as the associate publisher of his family's newspaper, the Huntington Herald press. Okay. Yeah. Oh. So that makes sense. And I mean, my sister graduated yeah. from Huntington university as well. Go Foresters, Not the one that's been on an episode. Good running program up there, right? Oh, it was. It, no, let's and not get into that. Okay. All right. Let's right. not get into that. <laughs> Ooh, yikes. God forbid. It's a whole thing that happened up there. When he was brought on as VP, they knew that he was prone to like gaffes. Okay. Like he, a lot of, there was a lot of misquotes and he came off like a real dummy. Misspellings. Yeah. yeah. So at some point during the campaign, he was touring South America, actually. But he was in Valparaiso, Mexico. Which is and another he was like, town. there's one of these back home. <laughs> I yeah. guarantee 
<laughs> guarantee. Oh, do you call it Valpo too? You I did. bet you, yeah, I bet you that that's the only reason they went there was he saw it on a map and was like, we got to go there. I got one of those back home. Yeah, I got one of those. That that could. They got a Vincennes over here? That could very well be <laughs> yeah. true. Um, <laughs> what about Terre Haute? What about Milan? <laughs> when he was there, when he was there, uh, they were visiting some sort of uh, gift shop okay. and he he was going to purchase this little carved wooden figure yeah. that when you, it was wearing a top of some sort. And when you pulled the top up. His thing uh, came out. It, it was an anatomically correct <laughs> oh, figure. I yeah. knew that was where you were going. Yeah. yeah. Like a little trinket? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Like yeah, it was little... like a little carved wooden you statue. What you pull oh, yeah. the top up, his Dan Quayle comes out. Oh. You know? His Dan forth. His Dan his comes Dan, forth. His Dan, Dan comes, comes forth. forth. His Dan forth. Yeah. Uh, but, but but his wife Marilyn uh, saw him okay. before he was going to purchase it okay. and made him put it back. Oh, she sounds like put a real the hat. Huh? <laughs> made him put the hat back on. She sounds thing. like a real prude. She was she was cool. And so they went back to whatever the hotel, and then he called the Secret Service to go buy it for him. Oh, that's great. <laughs> So guys, there's this thing. It's uh, it's right on the end cap. Codename uh, Danforth. <laughs> Gosh, that's funny. Yeah, yeah. Mission Danforth. <laughs> Dan comes forth. Yeah, and and the press got a hold of it. Obviously, oh, they the called Dan? it. They got a hold of it. <laughs> they got a hold of what Danforth. Did they call it? That anatomically correct doll. Oh, I don't man. know gate. No, no. What did the? Oh, yeah, of course. I was gonna say it was gonna. Yeah. It was definitely a gate. Oh, I don't know. It's definitely a gate. Ana- anatomically correct Correct-tol. doll gate. Yeah. <laughs> Rolls out the tub. So that was fun. Wow, uh, that's incredible. Yeah, one of my favorite moments in every episode, and it's 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 grown more as we've gotten closer to the modern era, is just how off the rails we get as you're sharing what you've learned. Somebody oh, told yeah. me the other day, it was it was actually during a VP segment they were listening to, and they were like, dude, you guys totally ruined Russ's segment. Oh, like, and best. usually Ryan's the one that like brings it back in because I'm the one yeah. that wants to go off the rails. Uh-huh. And they were like, but Ryan just like completely was an enabler in that episode. And I don't remember who it was. I, I'm sorry. Well, it was whatever episode it was where the dude got in by cannibals. Oh. oh uh, Ford. Uh, Ford. Nelson Rockefeller. Yeah, Rock- yeah. Michael Rockefeller. Gosh, that story was wild. <laughs> that was wild. Yeah. Oh, man. And then his dad died during coitus, right? Yeah. With his mistress? Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, Secretary. he died. Nelson Rockefeller died. Yeah, son coitus. got eaten the by cannibals. Oh, yeah. And right. then the dad, sure. yeah. former vice president. What happened to Dan Quayle? Yeah, he's he's still alive. He's yeah. like a. 1947, so he's mid 70s. Yeah. yeah. As the VP, HW had him lead the Council on Competitiveness. Have you heard of this before? Oh, the COC? No. It is. What do you think it is? The Council on competitiveness. competitiveness. It sounds like something that the NCAA would create to make it seem like they were doing work. <laughs> to me, it sounds like something to kind of like the presidential fitness test, something no. with like American no. youth. No, it's a stop regulation, like environmental. Regulatory stuff oh, okay. that would keep businesses oh, because, from being yeah. competitive. That's way yeah. more boring. Because if you it get is. rid of regulation, we become more competitive as a country. As we like, yes, yeah. yeah. So it was one of those names that I was like, <clears throat> the Committee on Competitiveness. Yeah, I mean, it was God, they called sounds, it. Does sound like something Teddy Roosevelt would have started. <laughs> totally, <laughs> he's um, the, like the precursor to the AAU. <laughs> but they called it the back door to the White House. So oh, any, my. oh my. <laughs> No, but it was Rufus. a way for donors to get in and, you know, stop the regulatory 
yeah. creep, as H.W. called it. So I creep. Yeah, on the committee of competition, so I creep. Yeah, he he can't spell potato. That was a big thing. <laughs> okay, so yeah, I barely remember this. So it was a, a little kid. Wrote, it was a middle school scout spelling bee. Yeah, wrote and, potato on the board. Yeah, he he wrote potato on the board. The kid with an did. E. No, 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 the no, kid no, spelled no. it, and he was no. like, "That's not right." There's an e on the end. Why was why no, was the said, sitting vice president judging a spelling bee? I don't know. It was like Media. a it was a photo opportunity. Yeah. Okay, yeah, where because the kid wrote potato on the board correctly, and he was like, uh, 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 "Aren't you forgetting something on the end?" <laughs> oh, so the kid like walks back up to the board <laughs> and writes an e. There's video of it. The, <laughs> well, yeah. Writes an e, and then. Everybody claps. The news, everybody claps. Wow. And then the kid turns back to the board and you see him erase <laughs> and, and walk back down to his seat. And then later, so somebody caught that. it. Like somebody in the news was like, no, that's not how it's spelled. Yeah. And that became the focus. I love that Man. the kid erased it before. Uh, that kid, that kid also He's went now on. John Stewart. He went on David Letterman. His name was <laughs> William Fig. Figuera? Figuera? Anyway, okay. his quote from Letterman was, I know he's not an idiot, but he needs to study more. Do you have to go to college to be a vice president? <laughs> real shot across the wow. bow at DePaul. Yeah, yeah, that was real hardcore. Yeah. Yeah. Man, sex that, appeal man. and he can spell. Yeah. And um, then... Oh, he can't spell. He can't spell, yeah. So the last thing, okay. which is another thing he's famous for, it's the potato and then the Murphy Brown. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. it was three weeks after the L.A. riots had started, or I don't know if it started or ended. I don't remember how long it lasted, but he was in L.A. and he was giving this speech called Reflections on Urban America, Okay, where he blames the L.A. riots on the decay of moral values and family structure. Wasn't that also a Carter uh, thing where Carter like harped on society for losing its moral compass, and sure. y- y- I think it was like, "Come on, man, you're supposed to instill confidence in us and not beat us yeah. over the head for not being as holy as you." Yeah, I mean, I guess it was that in a way. That's what they all do now. Yeah, but man, it so it was three weeks after the riots, the Rodney Gosh. King thing, and it was right after. So the riots started because the cops got acquitted. All Correct. of them were acquitted. Mm-hmm. And then he comes into L.A. and says... Mark whatever. He doesn't mention anything about the cops. He just says this is due to a moral decay Gosh. in the family structure, single-parent homes. Ugh. And then... That's tough. Yeah, because he was trying to... It's it's where the whole family values sure. starts, basically. Tour. It's, the yeah, the family values, values tour corn, started. Yeah. Corn, Limp Bizkit. Kirk Cameron. Yeah. Yes, but it was. You don't remember that? I do remember that. But it was the tour. Like, he took this speech, and then they saw that it was hitting with, like, Southern Baptists, and then that's where that really started. welfare queen. It was, yeah. Yeah. Well, because he was also saying, he was blaming it on welfare and all that stuff. But in the speech, he also references Murphy Brown, because on, um, on an episode of Murphy Brown, she becomes pregnant and she what says was a single mom he says a character yeah. that supposedly epitomizes today's intelligent highly paid professional woman mocking the importance of fathers bearing a child alone and calling it just another lifestyle choice huh. dude i remember that as a kid like from yeah. like being, sure. from pulpit being yeah. brought up 
mm. like as a like as if anyone in Tipton, Indiana watched Murphy Brown anyway. He'd like, never seen an episode of Murphy Brown. <laughs> yeah. They knew the Murphys and they knew the Browns, <laughs> yeah. but they did not watch Murphy Brown. I, I saw that he <laughs> to this day he says that I was still uncomfortable with the version that was given to me on the note card by the school of the spelling of potato. Oh yeah, he blames it on the school. <laughs> He's he, like, I 100%. was just reading off the card. I knew it Where was, was a, he? Was he here? Trenton, New Jersey. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> shocking! That kid knew how to spell potato anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Take that, Trenton. <laughs> that kid was bow. pretty funny, though. There was a battle of Trenton that a president fought in, wasn't it? Was that Monroe? Sure, I think so. We're so far away from that. Oh my god! <laughs> it was James Monroe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Dan Quayle. Wow. Okay. He's terrible. That was fun. That was one. Of what's my he doing nowadays? What's What's he? Uh, he's a. An, I'm telling you though. Like he's like an investment banker, more, but not okay. very high yeah. up. The moral of the story is: if you're ever in Huntington, Indiana, go get yourself a tenderloin at there Nick's Kitchen, yeah, and then yeah. get yeah. definitely get a piece of pie. Okay. Yeah. Do former vice presidents get? Secret Service detail for mm-hmm. life. Yeah, yeah, they do. Okay. Yep. Huh. Okay. Uh, now. Yeah. Right. They didn't back in the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Russ, thank you as always. Right. Um, we're gonna back up to <laughs> 1989. Herbert Walker Bush is inaugurated. The Exxon Valdez happens. Runs aground in Southeast Alaska. Worst oil spill in American territory. There. He is also criticized by many for how. He didn't respond to the Tiananmen Square massacre over in Beijing. Uh, that one of, guy did, though. <laughs> that one guy. <laughs> that one guy. That one guy on picture. Yeah. A lot of people in Congress wanted him to really crack down and make a very harsh punishment for the Chinese. But he, I don't know, he kind of was always pretty pragmatic and <laughs> level-headed. <laughs> what? I just, sorry. I just... I, I had that picture in my head, the Tiananmen Square picture yes. where the guy's standing in front of the tank. Yeah, with his I arms I just imagine Michael Dukakis popping out of the car. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> What's going on down there? <laughs> also the same year that he's inaugurated, uh, the Berlin Wall fell and effectively ended the uh, the Cold War when East Germany fully opened its borders. So when it was toppled, he he purposely muted his response. He knew it was a his quote was he knew it was a smoldering fire and he didn't want to, didn't yeah. want to pour gasoline on it because it would it would have been pretty easy to go over there and dance on it. Yeah, and there was a theme also with and we'll get to this a little bit. We're flash forwarding a little bit, but when Desert Storm concluded, he made the similar point of like I don't want to gloat in victory about what happened because I don't want to upset the yeah, geopolitical we'll stuff that that's second. going on. Yeah. yeah. After the death of a U.S. service member in Panama, President Bush authorized an invasion codenamed Operation Just Cause to depose Panamanian general, drug trafficker, and dictator Manuel Noriega. His side had lost in an election in Panama, but he refused to step down, and uh, the attack was a success, and Noriega was removed from power. I think I remember hearing about... Van Halen was born. Yeah. (laughs) I think I remember that's when... um, I don't remember hearing about it at the time that this was used, but a lot of psychological tactics were used in Panama by the SEALs or the CIA. uh, PSYOPs. What? PSYOPs. Yeah. Like they used um, really loud music, hard, heavy metal, just incessant. Van Halen. Bright lights. (laughs) Yeah, Van Halen. Yeah. (laughs) We were just in the streets of (laughs) Panama. (laughs) I've been to his beach house before. Noriega's? Dan Quayle's? Noriega's. (laughs) Where is it? 
in Panama. Panama. Well, I mean, it's been established. There was it's uh, on the beach. Yeah, it is. It is on the beach. <laughs> oh, and, got it. Okay. And yeah, yeah. you maybe you had others. I don't it know. was down the beach from where we were staying, and then you wasn't that the one you snuck into? Yeah. So we jumped Ooh. the we jumped the wall. And Who's we? You and uh, you and Irene. Yeah, and some other people. Okay. We jumped in, and then it it looks like the bones of a Scarface esque place. Like there's a big glass dome yeah. atrium thing at the top and yeah. i don't know remnants of gold toilets and stuff Just like that cocaine I've everywhere people I've had definitely... some friends that got to be on some missions that they got to go to some some of saddam's old palaces and oh, i've heard they're really similar to that yeah that's crazy yeah where was that like to crete or something Iraq. there were a bunch of them yeah all over the place crit oh i'm sorry my bad well you correct me all the time i don't correct you all the time all the time i just corrected you actually that's <laughs> <laughs> <was> good <laughs> Uh, it's 1990. Calm down. <laughs> yeah. He and Gorbachev signed an agreement to scrap a lot of the U.S. and Soviet Union's nuclear stockpiles. He reneges on his uh, no new taxes pledge from 1988 by stating that in order to solve the deficit problem, we might need some tax increases. And he actually said that his biggest mistake was not raising taxes. He always believed that he did the right thing there. His mistake was saying to read my lips yeah. statement. Yeah. No new taxes. And I think he did that in response to and it caused maybe him the re-election. some constructive yeah. criticism from like his team that was like, you need to be more emphatic when you speak. And he's he one like, of those guys that's like weird. Like, I don't think I like him, but there's certain things that he does that yeah. I'm like, Oh, like, you know what sure. I mean? I, I like, sense that from you as we're processing this and yeah. going through and I, it. Yeah. I think that that's like, it's a fair way of looking yeah. at things. Yeah. Right. Like, right. Was he I the mean, last one? Do you think he was the last one where people were fairly, they could kind of be on board with mm. HW, even if you were like a Democrat? I see what you're saying. No, Clinton would have been. You think Re- Clinton was super conservative? Yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah. Like, we'll talk about it, obviously, in, yeah. in two weeks. Yeah. But it's still, see- I mean. Well, because remember, Clinton. So defi- I mean, Clinton basically saw how the Democrats got trounced by Reagan. And said, also, we, don't we, forget, we have to change the tactic. We need to be way more moderate as, yeah, a, yeah. as a party. Don't forget like how across the aisle people voted with Obama the first time. That was a lot of politics got put aside for the, like the, the fir- yeah. his first presidential run. Because there were a lot of counties that flipped even his second election. Yeah. Are you saying, Russ, that both sides can get behind this guy can put to the, the political stuff okay yeah. to a certain degree put the political side aside stuff aside look at the character of the guys oh, that we yeah. rather saying? okay yeah, yeah, so yeah. you're not talking about election you're no. talking about yeah no i would say clinton was probably the last one not him and post 9-11 i don't know would would the same thing wait, be true without <laughs> monica Lewinsky? wait wait until you see some of the policies that he passed and then pass your judgment i'm okay okay that's fair financially and uh, I don't think I remember anything that was publicly polarizing from Bush about HW. HW. I mean, Clinton, there definitely was. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's like fair. Public opinion, I guess. People were. There was also more time to gather that and to accrue the things that you're pulling so publicly, from. Publicly, his biggest, like the biggest downfalls with him were he was a flip flopper more than once. And that killed him in his second reelection. Domestically, though, I mean, he did well foreign wise, foreign policy wise. Domestically, it was not the best. Yeah. Well, he foreign policy. I mean, there's Iran Contra, there's Panama, there's Iraq slash Kuwait, which can be polarizing. Yeah. Whitney Houston fixed it. 
the Super Bowl. Um, yeah. A lot the, of people think she sang that live. It was lip synced. Oh, who cares, man? I do. No. No. It's a great national anthem rendition. That, yeah, oh, no, not going to do that. It's really good. Um, <laughs> it's really good. <laughs> yeah, okay. I'll tell you that joke off air. Uh, <laughs> okay. That's fair. <laughs> the, um, I like those moments. Uh, Marvin Gaye did a good national anthem. He did. Yeah. Fergie did not. All right. So back to, so where do we go? Back to life. So now uh, President Saddam Hussein on August 2nd, 1990, sends 140,000 Iraqi troops and 18,000 tanks into the neighboring. Hold on. Wait. Before we get into that, Uh I have a note about him being very centrist, which obviously we just touched on quite a bit. So he installed a horseshoe pit in the White House. Yeah, he did. And And at Camp David. And Gorbachev came. And his very first throw was a ringer. Oh, yeah. Chops was? Yeah. 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 He really thought that the American people wanted results and not rhetoric. And in my opinion, that was probably his like biggest error. Hmm. Well, yeah, because that's clearly untrue. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> As we're seeing now, he was president when Gorbachev got rid of the Communist Party, which that was what effectively actually ended the Cold War. So a lot of people give multiple people credit for ending the Cold War. I think Reagan gets a lot of it because yeah. he does the tear, tear down, down this, this wall, wall speech. It actually happens under, under Bush's watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. 90 was an interesting year for him. Uh, uh, I mean, so you've got Iraq invading Kuwait. On September 11th of 1990, he said, it is Iraq against the world. He says this in front of Congress. He demanded that Iraq pull out of Kuwait immediately, and uh, he began to form an international coalition to liberate Kuwait. He gave him, I think, till like the following January to get out. Um, this this aggression will not stand. This aggression oh, yeah. against Saddam Adam. Hussein and the Iraqis. The made famous by the opening scene at Ralph's as the dude writes a check for sixty seven cents for a, a half gallon of half and half. Yep. What is this? Big Lebowski. Uh, I've seen it once. Yeah. He's like in the very opening scene, he's writing a check for 67 <laughs> cents for half and half. And so the Ralph's, you know, scanner person, yeah. cashier is watching George Bush say this. And then he, the Big Lebowski has a ton of callbacks, but that's one of the big callbacks. Cause like at one point he's in the back of the limo with Brant. Uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, I don't know. Seen it once. Brant's. Oh, Real Philip Seymour Hoffman. Philip oh Seymour yeah. Hoffman. He's a nihilist, right? No, 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 Philip Seymour, Seymour Hoffman be, is could have been. is the Big Lebowski's like assistant. Oh yes, yes, yes. Okay, and the dude is in the back, and he's like, "This aggression will not stand, man." You know this. You know, there's a lot of ins, a lot of outs, a lot of what have yous. Like, is that a, it's a Coen Brothers movie, right? Yeah. yeah. Is yeah. it? I think I heard from a friend who loves that movie that even like the stutters and the vocal pauses that Jeff Bridges does as that character were written into the script. Yeah. That- like the uhs and the uh, like the even the stutters of certain consonants. That's kind of surprising since Jeff Bridges seems very like I don't know. Can you imagine how intolerable it's going to be when you watch Big Lebowski with Blaine? Can you because you, yeah. you haven't seen it for a long time no. and he's just going to be staring at you <laughs> to see your expression? <laughs> like, wait, watch this part. Watch this part. Uh, this part's good. What's worse, I though, being watched so. expecting to enjoy That's the movie the or, or hearing someone say the lines before they're said? I don't know. I hate being on either side of yeah. that, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In 90, he championed and signed three pieces of bipartisan legislation. Uh, 
Blaine, you were talking about people voting across the aisle for certain bills. This was big. There were three big ones in 90. I do not remember any of these. In 1990, I was, I don't know, fifth grade. We aged all of ourselves. Maybe we aged you right there. The Americans with Disabilities Act, uh, he signed, which still affects this day, almost 45 million Americans who live with disabilities. It forbade discrimination in employment public accommodations and transportation. There was also the Clean Air Act of 1990, which tightened a lot of pollution standards for air, water, chemical pollution, all that. And the Immigration Act of 1990, about 30 minutes ago, we said put a pin in the uh, the Act of 65. So the Immigration Act of 90 that he signed lifted the testing process that required English testing to become naturalized. You had to know English. It eliminated that for immigrants. It also gave temporary asylum to immigrants who were escaping like their governments trying to kill them. And it also eliminated the exclusion of homosexuals that was included in the 1965 Act. Wow, really? It, it was labeled in the 65 Act of Immigration as a sexual deviance. And his signing that lifted that. So uh, in response to all of that and then his reaction to Saddam Hussein, uh, Time Magazine named him Man of the Year in 1990 when Time Magazine still mattered. Hey, what? It matters. Does it? Yeah, they still do Man of the Year and all that. Remember a couple of years ago, it was just like a mirror. Mm-mm. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, because you were the Man of the Year? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. So uh, Kamala Harris and Joe Biden were the last person of the year. They're one person? Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't know that. Why? No, no, sorry. Elon Musk was the last one. Before that oh was God. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, Greta Thunberg. Was it? Are you sure it wasn't Elon Musk and Joe Rogan? <laughs> Trump, how can, Joe, Trump how can Elon Musk be? Oh, I hate that guy. That's interesting that they would put all those disparate I, I hope people on. Twitter wins that, that lawsuit. Oh, yeah. I Musk. They, man, I hope he has to pay Twitter $44 billion just for That's trying to lot. be funny. That's a lot. $44 billion. <laughs> a lot. That's a word. That's yeah. a word for it. Yeah. It's yeah. unimaginable. It's an inordinate <laughs> amount of money. Do you, know who the, do you know who the man of the year in 2007 was? Uh, let's uh, see. Daffy Duck. Hold on, hold close. on. 2007? Very um, close. Pepe Le Pew. 2007. Uh, is it an actual human or an animated yeah, character? It's an actual human. Okay. Uh, Maybe. I don't know. Vladimir Putin. Shut Ooh. up. Yeah, 2007. Uh, Vladimir Putin. He was... Wow. For what? 2006. You. you. Wow. There's still people that put that in their Twitter bio. 2006 oh, sure. time man of the year. Oh, yeah. Operation Desert Storm began with aerial bombing January 17th of 91. February 24th. About a month later, uh, the land campaign began. Dude, this once again understated lots and lots of Scud missiles. Yeah. That we watched yeah. on TV live. Yeah. There were 90% of their tanks were disabled, over 20,000 Iraqi casualties yeah. compared to 124 mm-hmm. American casualties mm-hmm. in the movie Jarhead. So 125. Jarhead's the one with uh, <laughs> Jarhead's the one with uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, Jake Gyllenhaal, the Deer Hunter, Jamie Fox. Sure, okay, it was awful. To be yeah, more, I mean this this <laughs> this. <laughs> Just throw out everyone we know that was in a war movie. Uh, Matthew Broderick, Tom Hanks. Um, let's. <laughs> I'm going back to glory. Uh, Mel Gibson in The Patriot. Yeah, <laughs> they were all in Jarhead. 
<laughs> they played some role. The war lasted about 100 hours. But yes, right. You're right, Blaine. I do remember seeing that on TV. James Franco, um, 124 hours. The decision remained controversial that he didn't take out Hussein. Uh, that he didn't continue advancing. Correct. To topple the government. But it, he said that he originally, his his intent was to get Hussein out of Kuwait. Yes. And he did that. And, and there was no that. reason to keep going. Yeah. And so how did Saddam repay him? By trying to kill him after he was out of the presidency That's with right. a 300-pound car bomb. And we'll get to that in Ooh. W's episode where in a Clinton's, lot of the... Clinton's uh, episode. In Clinton's episode where a lot of the invasion that we lived through in probably what, late college? Oh, man. I there mean, was, W remembered that. He sure did. Yeah, he did. There was a quote that we'll definitely say again, but when Saddam Hussein was killed, or was captured, yeah. W called HW, and he just... <laughs> Please do this as W. I'm going to. It's <laughs> okay, hard. Good. He just said, we got him, daddy. <laughs> <laughs> that actually happened. <laughs> We got him, daddy. Got him, daddy. Got him, daddy. To your point earlier, Russ, about, you know, polarizing, you got to look at the way that George H.W. 41 went through and dealt with Iraq with Mm. an international coalition as opposed to W, who single-handedly, effectively, um, I don't want to negate the sacrifices that were made by the other countries that were part of it, but it was, what, I mean, 99% American forces that were fighting in Iraq. Blaine. I don't, I don't know. I mean, there had to be is. other countries that were. I met there. a bunch of dudes from other countries there. But looking at it through the lens of, uh, and I'm interested. I'm I'm looking forward to that episode to get your input and perspective on that. That'll be a good one. But Can't anyway, wait. just the way that two Bushes went about dealing with Iraq in different ways. That October, so this is '91, shortly after the Nevermind album came out, Nirvana. Oh. Just to give you a little bit of context, around that time, Bush's nominee to replace retiring Justice Thurgood Marshall in the Supreme Court, Clarence Thomas, was confirmed by the Senate in a close 52 to 48. Now we're remembering why we don't like him. There we go. There we go. Uh, A month later, he signed the Civil Rights Act of 91, making it easier for... the sexual deviant. What? We just... Cruising. The guy that... Nevermind was was a pretty good album. Nevermind was a great album. album. Do you remember that time when Clarence Thomas's wife tried to start an insurrection? (laughs) (laughs) Remember that one time? (laughs) Yeah. It was like a week before our podcast came out. I didn't realize this, but there was an interesting... Which was a decade ago. There's an interesting overlap of... The dates of, as far as just interesting dates that kept popping up, like September 11th, he made the the statement in front of Congress about Iraq. It's basically Iraq against the world. So that oh. was his own personal 9-11. It was. It literally is his personal 9-11. And then, I'll find it later, but there was, earlier in the episode, there was a January 6th reference. I just remember, like, as I was going through that, I'm like... Somebody ra- ran into the church the day he was married and tried to stop it. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was Michael J. Fox. <laughs> We got him, Daddy. We got him, Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, Clarence Thomas there, and then the Civil Rights Act in 91, he signed. On New Year's Eve of 91, and I don't know why it was this date, but the USSR officially dissolved yeah. on New Year's Eve of 91. Didn't Joe Biden have something to do with um, the whole Clarence Thomas Yeah, it was the natural law thing. He kept bringing up like natural law, and Clarence Thomas was like, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, but Biden was leading the proceedings against... His the accuser, correct? Uh, yeah, Anita Hill. Yeah, say yes. her name, Russ. <laughs> the, <laughs> it, yeah, well, yeah, okay. 
Okay. So we're back in the USSR. We are. And speaking of the USSR, in 92, HW signed several nuclear arms reduction agreements with Kazakhstan, Belarus, uh, <laughs> Russia, and Ukraine. Uh, interestingly You can't enough. afford clock radio. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that April, he signed an aid package for Los Angeles in response to the Rodney King riots. Not an AIDS package, Blaine. Um, during a state dinner in Japan, he yacked into the yeah, lap. Yeah, did. Sure did. <laughs> Japan's prime mm-hmm. minister, Kichi Miyazawa, and he collapsed in his that chair. That was an attempt. That was an attempt. Kichi Miyazawa <laughs> collapsed in his chair. He had flu-like symptoms, and he fainted before the First Lady and Secret Service agents rushed to help him. This incident was spoofed on the late night game on Saturday Night Live by Dana Carvey. By um, Dana Carvey. Yeah. Yeah. It's open season at that point. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, he negotiated and signed NAFTA in 92. Which Republicans are currently big fans of. Yeah. Created a trade block consisting of the U.S., Canada, and Mexico. Let's take a break before we get into re-election and yeah. legacy and a little Yeah, sure. Facts. We're going to break. <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys. It's Ryan. If you need custom-made t-shirts for your team or organization, look no further than our good friends here in Indy, The Art Press. The Art Press is a local, eco-friendly small business that's been around for years here in Indy, designing and printing all the super comfortable shirts you may have seen through their parent company's store, Vardigan. We've worked with them on our awesome new shirts that feature Thomas Jefferson riding a fire-breathing mastodon, and our experience couldn't have gone better. If you need help creating a design or you have your artwork ready to print, Derek and the team at The Art Press can help you get your orders set up online quickly and easily. Plus, they ship everywhere and offer excellent Excellent customer service. Get a quote on your order of shirts today at theartpress.com. That's theartpress.com. Welcome back. Thank you. This episode's been relatively long. Are we going to have to trim some of this bush? Probably. We can't go full bush. It's it's bushy. If we trim it it down a little bit, it would make our decks look bigger. (laughs) Was he ever in Brazil? (laughs) Well, Panama, you know. Um, but did he get like a Brazilian? I don't know. His son thought a Brazilian was a number. <laughs> what? Somebody said something to W once about Brazilian people, and he was like, "I don't think there's that many." <laughs> <laughs> that's that's true. <laughs> Is that like just under a Google? A Brazilian? <laughs> God, if that's true, that's amazing. It's true. It's, that oh, is a true story. Somebody said <sighs> something about Brazilian people, and it was like, that's way too many. <laughs> Russ can't get over the Brazilian guy. 90s Bush was good. They had the uh, 16 Stone album. I uh, have this weird, well, I guess it's... Glycerine. So there's a common ingredient in uh, uh, shampoos called glycerin. Yeah, and sometimes I will like in my head sing the all of the ingredients of the shampoo <laughs> to the tune of glycerin. It's like propolafolin sixteen. We don't test on animals. Glycerin. Pantene Pro V. <laughs> oh man. So he, he lost. He goes back to Houston, spends some of his time up in Got Kennebunk a machine Port. head. Mm-hmm. It was better than, better the, than rest. the rest. So <laughs> a lot of people attribute Ross Perot running mm-hmm. to Bush losing because people thought that Ross Perot... And it was real weird. So like Ross Perot started a run, and then he took his name out of the hat and then put his name back in at like the beginning of October. Mm-hmm. So like so late for anybody so to smart. be able to react. 
And what a lot of people think is that Ross Perot took votes away from Bush. He shaved off some of the... All right. Yes, that's what happened. Well, Clinton waxed him. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's what I'm getting at. He would have waxed him. When they've looked back at it statistically, the votes that Perot would have gotten actually would have led to a larger Clinton victory, not a Bush uh, growth. Sure. (laughs) It it wouldn't have grown the Bush. Yeah, would have been the kind of would have been a waxing. Right. Yes. Well, then he said happy trails and said, I'm going to go back down to Texas. Mm. Uh, That's good. Thank you. (laughs) Where it was really hot and sweaty. (laughs) Oh, man. All right. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm really sorry. He goes to work on his library. That's completed in 97 down Texas there. Texas A&M, right? That's right. Yeah. Yep. Have Gig you ever been there? Yep. I, well, yeah. I was there so in 97, The I same think. year as his library opening. It was either 97 or 98. Well, it was the same year that the bonfire broke and eight people died. <sighs> yeah, okay. So I went down. I forgot about that. To visit this dude. And we went to a Texas A&M Texas football game in College Station, and we were planning on going to the night before midnight Yelp rally or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, they always do this like giant bonfire. Used to always do this giant bonfire. They don't <laughs> yeah. even play each other anymore. <laughs> and uh, as we got into town, something was amiss, and we found out that the bonfire before it was a flame, luckily, had collapsed. And yikes! Yeah. So A&M won though. Um. Oh, that's, so that was, yeah, that was yeah. good. I got to see that. that we were good. at the very top of Kyle Stadium, yeah, Kyle Field. Sorry, we're just going to yeah. gloss so over the people that yes, died. I have been to. <laughs> I didn't so know them. Your question. I did, um, I have been to College Station. Yes, I've not. I actually really, really, really wanted to go to Texas A and M when yeah. I was in high school. Yeah, I didn't get in. <laughs> okay, is it like the I mean, Purdue of Texas? Yeah, it's like an engineering school, right? It's a A and M stands for agricultural military. Yeah. Oh, military. uh I didn't know that. I thought it was machinery. No, it's agricultural military. So the corps cadets. If you watch Texas A and football game, like a whole section of people in uniform. I didn't know that. Most of them will join because of legacy. Okay. They don't. So it's the cadets don't actually have to join the military. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Who's their rival down there? Texas. Okay, so it's like a, the Texas is in the fight song. Okay, They're, they always are doing financial stuff to compete with Texas. Like at one point when they upgraded Kyle Field, it had one more seat than the stadium in Texas. Okay, wow. Um, and Petty. then Texas upgraded their stadium, and then A and M went to the SEC, and they don't play each other anymore. And Did they whole... upgrade their stadium by giving two more seats? No, like <laughs> okay. a thousand more. Oh, okay, <laughs> but t- Texas A and M has like well, actually maybe. I think they renovated again, and now they have more seats than whatever that stupid Campbell Royal whatever is at Texas. I think A and M's like the third or fourth largest college football stadium now. Okay, I mean it's a monstrosity. It's like one hundred and four thousand people. Football is a religion in Texas. Oh, dude, yeah, they have high school football stadiums that see fifty thousand people. That's insane. It's crazy. Yeah, I say that, and we have. 15 of the 16 largest high school basketball gyms in the country. <laughs> in really go, and they're all in like tiny, tiny towns. Yeah. Like Seymour, Indiana has yeah. the largest high school basketball gym in the country. Does it? Newcastle's number two. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. And, but Newcastle's not very big either. Yeah, it's not big. The, the high school basketball hall of fame is in Newcastle. Newcastle. 
Hoosiers, obviously. Like, Milan. Yeah. But, like, I would say Texas is probably, like, more crazy about football than we are yeah. basketball. Yeah, yeah, that's a That's a fair assessment. I would agree with that. When W won the presidency in 2000, uh, HW. Texas forever. Yeah. He made, we did it, Daddy. He made frequent Six. public appearances in support of his son. He advised his son on some personnel choices, like Cheney and keeping Got that one wrong. Keeping Tenet as a director of the CIA, but he was not consulted on all the appointments, including that, that of movie? Rumsfeld as a sec def. What? Tenet. I have not seen Tenet. No, it's is it about, is it about George Tenet? No. It has nothing to do with George Tenet. Not at all. Okay, got it. Got it. Thank no, you. it's like this weird uh, time travel inception yeah. war. Mm. Interstellar. Uh, Denzel Washington's son. I like Denzel. There's a whole bunch. No. It's his son. But I like Denzel. Oh, okay. Um, it's a <laughs> The wild two can ride. still exist. Yeah, it is hard to like follow. <laughs> yeah. There was, of course, the big tsunami that we all remember in, uh, as opposed to the little tsunami that hit Southeast Asia in December of 04. And former presidents Bush and Clinton raised so much money. And then the next year, they raised over $100 million for victims of Hurricane Katrina in a matter of months. And then Jimmy Carter tried to take credit. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. USS George H.W. Bush, the 10th and last Nimitz-class supercarrier, was launched in his honor in 2009. In 2011, President Obama honored him by awarding him the highest civilian honor in the U.S., the Presidential Medal of Freedom. And let's see, he died in... That's kind of, like, pointless, right? A president giving another president... An, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. What's yeah. the point? I mean, Obama gave Biden it as well, didn't he? I don't know. I think it just so. seems like pointless, right? Yeah. Anyway, he, he liked to skydive too a lot. But go ahead. He, yeah, going. he did. He went skydiving, uh, Rocky Mountain climbing. Mm-hmm. He spent two point seven seconds, seconds on, on a, a bull main Fu Manchu, I believe, mm-hmm. is what it was called. He skydove four times, five times, four times, to include his eightieth, eighty fifth, and ninetieth birthdays. Yeah. Uh, Post presidency. Brazilian. <laughs> He's he definitely heard. Um, Man, they were going like a Brazilian, Brazilian miles Brazilian an hour. That can't be real. That can't be real. Uh, <laughs> they're like a Brazilian people out there, man. I'm gonna look this up. Uh, George Bush, Brazilian, Brazilian people. people. Uh, uh, so H.W. suffered from Parkinson's uh, since 2012, and he died at his home in Houston on November 30th, 2018, at age 94, seven months after Barbara had passed away. Two years after, Bush voted for— Oh, he did say it, but it was on Oprah, and it was supposed to be a joke. So apparently the story says that somebody said that four Brazilians were killed, and he was like, how many is a Brazilian? <laughs> <laughs> It sounds like that something makes Will, it so much better. It sounds like something Will Ferrell would come. That up sounds with. like a lot. Man, how many is a Brazilian? How many more times than a million is that? Also, how big did he think Brazil was? <laughs> Two years before he died, he voted for Hillary Clinton in the 2016 election. Interestingly enough, when H.W. died, President Trump who he did not vote for, uh, praised his leadership yeah, just said that. and his accomplishments. He said, quote, through his essential authenticity, disarming wit, and unwavering commitment to faith, family, there and country. zero I chance know, he know, put those words as, together As in I was order. saying this, I'm like, eh, his speechwriter. <laughs> his speechwriter said. No way. Uh, 
he said President Bush. He is got tired. those words out successfully <laughs> on camera. I'm just reading the quote, Blaine. President Bush inspired generation. Uh, he wrote it from. He was at the G20 summit, and the 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 statement was released from the G20 Correct. summit. There is, I would put my house on the yeah, fact that Donald not. Trump could not say that sentence out loud oh, no. yeah. in one take. The statement. Say it again. The statement in, said, in Trump's voice. Okay, I got a thing. Let's see. Okay. China. It's basically a Kennedy, but dumber. Through his essential authenticity, discerning wit, his unwavering commitment to faith, family, and country. President Bush inspired generations of his fellow Americans to public service to be, in his words, a thousand points of light. End quote. Yeah, he did. He did no way that he would have that. said that. that was pretty he good. probably he didn't even see talking. that quote before it was released. <laughs> He's like, what am I reading here? No, they were like, we got it. Yeah, we're good. We're good. Bush's body was transported from Houston to D.C. There was a, uh, where he laid in state in the U.S. Capitol for a couple days. State funeral at National Cathedral. Uh, W. eulogized him. His presidential funeral train was the first used since Eisenhower's funeral in 1969. He was buried alongside his wife and his daughter, Robin, who preceded him in death at the George H.W. Bush Presidential Library in College Station. At the time of his death... He was the longest-lived U.S. president, a distinction now held by number 39, Jimmy Carter. Who, who was it that sang that song, Better Than Ezra? Yeah, they sang his funeral. They were like, rock on. It was good living with Bush. Rock on. It was good. 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 So good. Living with you. Wow. Walking around the house. <laughs> Two takes a damn out. How many is a Brazilian? <laughs> We're gonna take a while to figure this out. I said, rock on. It was good living with Bush. Took out Noriega (laughs) and Saddam Hussein. (sighs) Okay, let's talk about his legacy. I've got at least one more song to make. (laughs) Do you now? I just got to find the right (laughs) early 90s jam. Yeah. We said he successfully appointed Clarence Thomas earlier. He also appointed Associate Justice David Souter. I think I'm saying that right. Wasn't it Souter? Souter, yeah. Souter had replaced... Eisenhower appointee William Brennan, a uh, liberal icon there, and was succeeded in 2009 by Sonia Sotomayor. Sotomayor? Uh, according to the C-SPAN's Presidential Historian Survey, where do you guys think H.W. currently sits? This was interesting to me. Where do you think? right in the middle. Okay. I bet he's like probably 27. on the higher end of the middle. Okay. 27, Blaine? Yeah. Give or like take. upper middle class. Yeah. 21. <laughs> below Grant and above close. Jackson. And again, that's just one poll, but uh, below Andrew Grant. Jackson's number 22. Two, yeah. Yikes. Wow. Yikes. That says a lot about us as a whole. Yoinks. <laughs> <laughs> it was interesting to see just the differences. You know, obviously, father and son are not going to be exactly alike, but the differences in how he might have been still on the, the heels of Reagan's handling of the AIDS epidemic, but. He got really criticized for by AIDS activist groups for not placing a really high priority on HIV research and funding. But then seeing Reagan. It, Reagan. No, Reagan. HW as well. 
There was oh. one AIDS activist group that like poured the ashes of HIV victims on the lawn of the White House wow. to protest uh, how much he wasn't doing in their opinion of of research and funding. But then his son <sighs> did a ton, you know, in in Africa especially, which we'll talk about in his uh, episode. But all right, finish the the sentence that we always ask. George H.W. Bush is the reason the United States of America. Mm, I don't know. Dana Carvey. Okay. Has, funny. has one of the best national anthems of all time. Oh. Whitney's in yeah. Yeah. what, 91 Super Bowl? Super Bowl. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm. Yep. Yeah, Dana Carvey's a good one. Dana Carvey's a good one. I'm going to go. Do you think that hurt his reelection? Eventually evaded Iraq. Dana Carvey. Oh, yeah. Desert Storm. No, no, no. I'm saying. We probably don't invade Iraq in 2005 if Saddam Hussein doesn't try to kill George H.W. Bush. Oh, oh. Oh, I see what you're saying. You think W. would have left Iraq alone had Saddam Hussein not tried to kill his dad? I don't think that's the only reason. I think that was definitely a reason. It's a factor is what you're saying. Okay. I'm going to go a little bit more, kind of not random, but a little bit more granular. Uh, has more accessibility for disabled Americans. Oh, in the go. public and in the workplace, which is obviously a very good thing. I, I mean, just I feel like you were virtue signaling there. I was. <laughs> I can't like as I'm planning this to though, find a good one. As I'm planning this, I know Russ is going to go like very culturally relevant, like topical kind of humor. I I don't. Blaine dislike tends him. to have more of a, a bite. You know, I don't I think, think I dislike good. him. I think he's like uh, even after this episode, he yeah. seems like the last. I don't know, can, Republican candidate that, that I feel like I can stomach. Okay. It, it could be wrong, but... I hear what you're saying. Let's go into little-known facts. In 99, the CIA headquarters in Virginia was named the George Bush Center for Intelligence in his honor. When his son W. was elected president... Clearly, people don't get that. They don't get the the wrong George Bush associated with it if it's called the Center for Intelligence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When W. was elected in 2000... Four Brazilian people... Mistook that for George W. Bush. (laughs) (laughs) We had already mentioned, uh, but perhaps you forgot, that it was the second time that a father and son have been elected president since John Quincy Adams was elected in 1824. The Bush's Springer Spaniel Millie, Blaine, you'll probably appreciate this, she kept her room in the same room that was formerly Nancy Reagan's beauty parlor. (laughs) So the Reagans left. I like that. Bush's moved in, and they're like, this is where the dog's going to (laughs) go. Yep. Yep. He was inducted into the World Golf Hall of Fame. In 2011. Why? He was just an avid golfer, and I guess he did well enough, and maybe they were like, well, he's president, we should put him in. That's got to be what We didn't even talk about I imagine Eisenhower would be in there as well. Was he not elected? Him and Taft, probably. Yeah. The Bushes had been married for 73 years and were the longest married couple in presidential history at the time. And do you remember who currently holds that record? Carter. There you go. Jimmy and Rosalind Carter. He holds every record. He's never going to die. He's the Keith Richards. Of presidents, <laughs> like, they they've been married now. When we're recording this in July, one hundred and six years, seventy six years. Married. Wow, that's that's older than my dad has been alive. They've been married. It's old. Yeah, I mean, at a certain point, right? Like, what's what is the fulcrum point there mm. that you're just like, well, this is just we're here till we die. Like, yeah, I'm not saying anything like <laughs> negative about marriage. I'm just saying, sure, that, like, at a certain point, you like. Talk about? No, I'm just saying, like, at a certain point, like, splitting up's off the table. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, I'm I'm sure it's probably somewhere in, like, the 40 to 50 year range. Yeah. Where you're like, eh. Like, whatever you get mad about, like, you just, I mean, it seems like a lot of work. Did you you see, do you guys remember seeing the picture of the Bidens and the Carters? 
where the Carters look like little tiny younger. <laughs> their they, their their bodies look super small oh. because of the way that they were like framed. <laughs> Pull that one up too. Like it's just it's a comical picture. They look like their children. Like it's a Benjamin Button scenario that they're very very old but also very tiny. I've and, been looking at songs that were written in 1991 to try to fit one yeah. in. There's some good ones. Metallica had um, Inner Sandman, Inner Sandman, which is now popular again. Well, no, yeah. it's Master of Puppets that's popular. Yeah. Grun- grunge wasn't huge though i think until like 92 93 but it came out in 91 like that's when it came out but it hit its stride i think in 92 93 hmm. uh amy grant was still popular <laughs> hold on let, hold on. let me why. guess the amy, amy grant, grant song is just like her career is just such an odd let me guess the 1991 that had to have been a uh, baby baby yeah 100 percent. come on now uh, <laughs> right? baby baby but George you know what else? <laughs> Boys to Men definitely played his funeral because that it's so hard to say goodbye to yesterday came out oh, in 1991. Of course. Wow. How did Bush live this life? To baby, I'm sorry you're dead. Please forgive me for sorry all. Sorry you're dead. Please forgive me for all the wrong. <laughs> Poppy, <laughs> I'm sorry you're dead. Uh, our next episode on 42nd President Bill Clinton will be released on Wednesday, August 31st, 2022, but you can get it early and ad-free by joining our Patreon community at patreon.com slash presequential. The link is there in the show notes. Thanks for listening to episode 41, The Dad of the Presequential Podcast. We will see you in a couple weeks.